Hey everybody, Thursday 24th of June, sitting here patiently waiting for this big rain event. And by the way, if I look at my forecast, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, rain. Uh, I think a high temperature of 84, a low temperature in the evenings is 62 one evening. And you all know me though, that there's a lot of these lows that are not getting below 70. And I, I'm a big believer that corn plants, along with livestock, that can cool out at night, can take a lot of heat in the daytime. And it's if you can get those nighttime temperatures well below 70 degrees, at least down to 65, uh, you, can, you, can, you can take some heat in the daytime. Well, I, it looks like to me appears, and I'm, I'm not a real weather expert, I'm just an observer of the weather for years, and when you farm, and for people that don't farm, that may be listening to this, uh, when you farm as long as a lot of farmers have farmed, we have observed a lot of weather. We went through a lot of springs. We went through a lot of falls. And the fact that weather actually determines how much money in a lot of years we're going to make because it determines how big our crop is. And, you know, we, we really are after gross revenue, and that's bushels times price. So you hear us bitch, moan, and groan about price, but also it's how many bushels you can raise that year at that price that makes a big difference. So we observe the weather a lot. Uh, my guess is with, with all this moisture, we're just not going to drop these nighttime temperatures and we're going to be very humid, which means it's going to be miserable on man and beast. But the, but the crops, if the forecast turns out like they said, is going to happen now i can tell you at least in our neck of the woods uh we're 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 doing fine but we're kind of living on the edge because we're once again just getting enough to get by we're not getting any kind of an excess in any kind of shape now they claim this system is going to bring a lot of excess to us so we're going to see if we're going to get that three to five inches total that everybody's talking about I, I did have a whole bunch of work that I've done on acres that, you know, we got the big report coming up at the end of the month on June 30th, and everybody's wondering about, you know, the revision in the acres and everything else. And I can tell you that the, the uh, commodity funds, the institutional investors, the people that, that buy commodities for investments have really lightened up their positions in, in the grain world, in corn, soybeans, uh, tremendously. Uh, and, and that's always helpful because, you know, when you got a bunch of people that have already bought, who's left to buy, now that they've sold their positions, that there would be some kind of surprise in either the report numbers or the weather gets bad or China continues to buy like they're buying right now. Uh, some of those people may come back into the market and that gives you fresh buyers to, to drive the market on up. Now, if it continues to rain like they say it's going to rain and, uh, you know, I think now we're down to is North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota and Northwestern Iowa going to get rain. And if they start getting rain along with everybody else and the party's probably over. If they don't get rain, then it's going to be, well, how good is it here to offset how bad it is there? And we're, and we're going to play one of those games. But we'll talk about those acres later because yesterday was one of those days where all kinds of events happened. And oh, by the way, anybody that's got any loved ones down there in that uh, condominium collapse in Florida, that's just horrific. It, they're, they're suspecting that it's a sinkhole. But the whole back half of that condo building just collapsed. I mean, wow. Um, you know, you can be sitting there thinking everything's fine, 
and all of a sudden you slide down into a hole and it can happen it can happen fast it's it's happened it's happened in in my life but you know overall judy and i have been very fortunate the good lord's been good to us the fact that we've we've had a few things go wrong um a few major ones but not not anything that can't be at some point in time somehow put back together now digging into biden's tax policy proposals uh, there's a provision in there that all farm income will pay self-employment tax, even if you farm as an S-corporation. That's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know, wasn't able to figure out, is if you're a landlord renting stuff on 50-50, if you're going to be able to um, still put that income in as rental income, and not pay self-employment tax because because if this if that is true if all of it all including the what I call fifty fifty landlord rental income you're going to see a lot more cash rent then because I think the cash rent people are going to say well we're not materially participating at all we're not really getting any farm income we're just getting you know rental income off the ground uh, and they won't have to pay social security tax on that and, and I know there there's and and I'll use the example of a landlord and a tenant during COVID last year. You know, they had a lease that was maybe expiring. Uh, you know, 20 was the last crop year. So they're trying to come up with a lease for 21, 22, 23. And e even in, you know, July and August, you know, you still had COVID going on. You had, you know, prices down. You know, you, you had a lot of uncertainty. And so you come up with a new three-year lease. And then lo and behold, by Thanksgiving, the whole world's looking different. And that's one advantage of a landlord with a 50-50 crop share lease. Yeah, there is some uncertainty in that, but you do get to participate fully in any type of these kind of rallies that's going on or any kind of change in events, both up and down. But, uh, and, and I get it, there's a whole lot of cash rent contracts out there too with a base rent. And then there's what I call accelerator clauses or deaccelerator clauses or you know, up the elevator, down the elevator, price, yield, uh, you know, government payments. But, uh, you know, how, how, how did you write a lease to take into account the CFAP payments, the, the MFP payments, everything else that went on? Um, and so the 50-50 kind of allows people to do that. But uh, if all farm income is going to have to pay self-employment tax, that's going to change how we do business in some of this. Uh, find it interesting, too, uh, that there's some expert that was on, uh, he's all over Twitter, there's a YouTube of him, everything else, and he's saying that we got to get people to quit eating meat, and that what we need to do is come up with an injection that gives you an allergic reaction to meat. Dead serious. This dude, of course, the dude, he comes out and says... You know, raising all this meat's wrong, right? No, it's wrong, dude. You're wrong. I mean, his first assumption at the beginning that eating meat's bad for you and raising meat is bad for the environment, and, and he's, he's just, that's, that's fact. Well, I'm here to say it's not fact. And I think there's a lot of evidence, scientific evidence, that I can give to you that it's not bad. Well, he's he's saying he, he's going with his assumption it's bad, and I'm saying before we even talk about <coughs> his 
let's give everybody a virus so they have an allergic reaction to eating meat. Um, let's go to his first assumption. Is it even bad? Trendy, trendy, trendy um, scientists, policymakers, sticking their finger in the wind, seeing what's going on, and seeing how it's going to happen. And, and the last thing I'm going to talk about, which, which knocked the acres off, is um, uh, that, that, that's, that's literally government bureaucrats sticking their finger in the wind, seeing what's going on. But we're going to talk a little bit about uh, John McAfee. Uh, McAfee antivirus software, you know, the first guy that came out with an antivirus program. So if you were doing something on the Internet or had some program that you downloaded off of somewhere and there was a malicious virus in it, his his McAfee antivirus software attacked this thing and 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 protected your computer. Guy, interesting dude. I think it's Netflix had a had an article on him. Uh, he's had some problems in Belize. Um, he's accused of killing a neighbor in Belize and then fleeing the country. Uh, he was a kind of a eccentric guy, had numerous girlfriends. I mean, you can kind of expect the whole thing. Um, one of those looks like to me really, really brilliant people, but maybe had at times trouble dealing with uh, society as a whole. Um. He, he kept saying that there was people telling him that we are going to kill yourself. And he said, if I ever commit suicide, I didn't commit suicide. I got whacked. He even went so far to have whacked tattooed on his arm. And now in a, in a prison in Spain, Barcelona, Spain, he killed himself. Or at least that's what they're saying. Whereas he was saying, I'm going to be whacked. Now, it, 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 you can't make this stuff up, folks. I mean, it's, um, it's really, he's a really interesting individual. Uh, now, and, and he maybe killed his neighbor. I mean, that's, you know, he said he didn't. There's a lot of evidence there that points the other way. But I've also seen, too, and, and I've, I've read some of these court cases where people got framed. I mean, um, they're, they're, we're talking about the FBI doing stuff to people and framing them and, and talking them into doing stuff. And, you know, I, I watched um, uh, several programs about these, like, six mobsters in uh, the East Coast. I don't know if it was Maryland or Philadelphia or where it was, somewhere out there. And they were actually framed by the FBI and then, and not a single one of the six guys killed killed the dude that they said they killed him, but they framed him for it. Now that was some years ago, but um, and I also sometimes think two prosecutors get something in their mind that yeah, that this person is guilty of this, and they really have a hard time stepping back from everything and look at the totalitary evidence, of everything, and saying yeah, this is right, this is wrong. And, and I'm not here to debate whether the guy's right or wrong. I'm just here to say that John McAfee said they, they told me they were going to make me commit suicide or they were going to kill me and make it look like suicide. And and he, he went so far to have that tattooed on his arm. And then he committed suicide in prison. <clears throat> ah, wow. Um, it, it's it's just interesting. If you get a chance, I mean, you know, I mean, some of you don't have a lot of time, but if you're like me, you end up sometimes sitting in front of the YouTube or the TV and watching something that's mindless and senseless. 
you can, you can go on there and, and search him out, and it's an interesting documentary on the guy. Now, uh, instead of talking about acres and what everybody's guessing these acres are going to be and coming up with numbers and yields and everything else, um, let's talk about the military general that was talking about white rage, called the 1-6 incident white rage. Now, before we get into that, <clears throat> if you get a chance, pick up Bill O'Reilly's book, Killing Patton. The Strange Death of World War II's Most Audacious General. Now, some of you know my dad, some of you don't. Um, my dad's an old World War II combat veteran. He was a young kid. He was 19 years old when he went in the line. He's still alive. He's going to be 96. Um, and, and, and he got involved in the 35th Division Association after the war. And, of course, all these other guys were older than him. And they kept dying off. Well, he ended up being a two-time president of the 35th Division Association. Uh, just a quote-unquote lowly private, but, you know, ended up doing that. And, and has been involved with that his whole life. And, and through that, he's got to mix with a vast number of unique people. And especially a lot of military officers. And, and he will tell you military generals, military officers in, in the peacetime army are political. Now, um, Judy says, i got to tell you how he actually says it. He says they kiss ass. Because if they want to get a promotion, if they want to get raised up, they got to kiss ass to move up. And they also need to stick their finger in the wind and see which way the prevailing winds are moving and... You know, let's face it, the military-industrial complex is part of the establishment out in D.C., and if they're going to stay in there, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be, um, they, they are going to be part of the establishment, and they're going to go along with a lot of the establishment stuff. Uh, I, I really find it interesting, Ann Coulter says she told Trump to quit watching the movie Patton because none of the generals are that way. And, and, you know, the generals that we need in time of war are generally not the kind of generals that are going to kiss ass and move up in a peacetime military. And I know we've been, we've been fighting in Iraq. We've been fighting in Afghanistan. We've, you know, had troops in Syria. You know, we abandoned some guys in Libya. I mean, there's, we, we got a lot of stuff going along all over the world, but... We're not in a quote-unquote declared war like we were in World War II, World War One, you know, everything else. And, and I, I'll use the, the Lincoln quote about Grant. Grant will fight. You know, there was a whole lot of politicians that wanted Lincoln to get rid of Grant because Grant was suffering too many casualties. And Lincoln says, I can't get rid of this guy because Grant will fight. Now, um... Now, Grant went on to become president and everything, mainly based on the fact that he had those great credentials uh, as, as a general. And, and even, even Grant's kind of right-hand guy, Sherman, there was a lot of Republican politicians in 1865 upset that he gave Johnson, and that was the army he was fighting in North Carolina, too good a terms on the surrender. But yeah, this guy, Joint Chiefs of Staff, called the 1-6 the incident a white rage. Um, talked about some other stuff. 
And, and am I saying that should have went on? No. Uh, did did were we out there around it? No. Did I tell people not to go? Yes. I mean, it it, it was a it was an Illinois style election back in November. And any of you that that <clears throat> know how they can manufacture boat, votes, I mean. Kennedy got elected because Johnson down in Texas and Daly up in Chicago stuffed ballot boxes. So Texas and Illinois went for uh, Kennedy instead of Nixon, and that was the election right there. So it's gone on forever. And and I will say, too, that uh, Trump's Justice Department should have been going after these states back in March, April, May when they were changing all this. You know, well, you can just dump ballots in this box. Nobody has to stand there. It's a, it's an unattended box. That that's when they should have been going after this stuff, not wait until after the results did not go their way. Uh, but oh well, I digress a little bit. Um, just just remember, folks, if you're upset about this, military generals in peacetime army are very political. They're going to go along with the establishment. They're going to go whichever way the wind's blowing. We don't know what the politics of this guy is. And this guy, if he's moved up through the military, he's probably been really smart about not voting in primaries, you know, uh, keeping comments to himself. You know, he, he talked about that, he, that he'd read Marxism and Leninism and everything else. I'm guessing he's probably never read Aaron Rand. But, uh, you know, and, and my dad will tell you, too. They they were they he he was after after the war ended he was in the occupation army for a while, and then after that from Europe he came back to the states because they were going to get uh, he he was actually scheduled to be on the D Day plus one invasion of the home island of Japan in no in in November of um, or the 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 November invasion of the home islands of Japan they were going to go in the second day. Um, and, and he was back here in the States and he said he still remembers an officer waltzing in, announce they killed Patton. Dad says he'll remember that officer saying that till the day he dies. It, it, it's just the way that officer said it. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the powers that be were probably scared of a guy like that becoming very popular, um, you know, they, you know, MacArthur and Truman fell out. Now, I'm not saying MacArthur played everything right. Um, but these peacetime generals understand that if they want to move up and get along, they got to go along. And so it's not surprising that the guy said what he said in that hearing. So, I, you know, whether, whether you're going to get upset with him or mad with him or not doesn't matter. I think it's what you expect. And I think Ann Coulter's advice quit watching the movie Patton because that's not who they are is probably really good advice. Um, they're, they're, they are the largest branch of the United States government. They're, they're funded by the taxes that we pay in. Um, they, they get this, you know, they get a retirement package. You know, I'm sure there's some of them that have been in a while that would maybe like to move on, but they look at what I call the golden handcuffs, the same thing that happens to a lot of bureaucrats. After they've been in there a while, they're like, gosh, if I only do it so many more years, then I can retire. Of course, then they get close to retirement. Well, if I go till I'm 62, I get an extra 10% bump in my uh, pension. Well, if I just work a couple more years and put some more money away, I mean, 
it, it's it's golden handcuffs, folks. And then this guy, you know, we we have no idea what his true political feelings and leanings are. We just know what he said in that in that um, hearing, and it shouldn't surprise you. I guess that's the big thing. It, it didn't surprise me. Um, I, I, somebody that's that's made their living and in working in D.C. is going to like a lot of things about D.C. And one reason they're in D.C. is they're attracted to those things in D.C. I still remember when a governor's deputy chief of staff told me and my compadre from south of Springfield one time when we were down there lobbying for some ag legislation at the Illinois State Capitol, he said, guys only come here for one of three things. Money, power, uh, he used a P word, but but women is basically what he was talking about. And which one is it you guys want? And I remember my farming buddy that just uh, that has just retired said, hey, we're just here trying to get, you know, some this good legislation for agriculture, for, for good for farmers, you know, blah, blah, blah. He smiled, looked at us, and he said, you stupid farmers, this is why I love you. Because we, we, were, we were true, pure believers to what we were working on. We weren't there trying to get money, power, or women. Like 99% of the rest of them down there were. And not all of them are, because I, 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 through through the years, I've met some really, really good, wonderful people that that are straight up just trying to make the world a better place. They're true believers, and I really like them. I, they sometimes get rolled over because one, I'm very paranoid about stuff, and two, I'm also very jaded, and so I kind of look at things like that, and I kind of also try to say, okay, this person that is on the opposite side of this issue or what, what, what's really their true motivation? What are they looking at? Where are they coming from? How are they doing it? And, and I guess at the end of the day, that's maybe what the conservatives that are upset with this guy ought to be looking at. What's the motivation of this general? Why is he saying what he's saying? Does he truly believe this? Um, what can you do to convince him that not every conservative out here you know, has, quote, unquote, white rage? I think that guy will regret at the end of the day probably saying that because politics politics have a strange way of changing in D.C. And what you say, you may have to sit in front of a bunch of people and, 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 and defend what you said. Just like what I'm saying right here on this. Someday at some point in time, I may have to sit in front of a bunch of people and defend what I'm saying there. And, you know... Um, you know, the truth will set you free, even at times that some people can't handle the truth. Um, and that guy's probably saying what he really truly believes is the truth. But you have to remember, too, that he's probably hanging around but nothing but people in D.C. at the end of the day. And I can tell you, he's the head of the Joint Chiefs. A lot of people are telling him what he wants to, or what they think he wants to hear. Because they're wanting to, quote unquote, quote the old man, kiss ass and move up. Two... Once you get in one of those positions, and I've seen this so many times with people, you get isolated from what actually is really going on out there. You really, really get isolated from people, and you, you don't get a chance to really see what's going on. And, and and I'll call somebody out here. That's why every now and then I had, I would just drop by and talk to my old buddy Blair, who's a neighbor farmer, to kind of find out what's really going on and what I'm seeing and missing 
is is not there. And I'm guessing this guy is a military joint's chief. He maybe didn't have, for lack of a better word, some sergeant somewhere that he really trusted that he could go talk and see what that guy's really thinking about the world. I know when I was at the agency, I had some really good county executive directors that I would call and talk to every now and then to see what I was missing or what state office wasn't getting done or what, what, what their perception or thoughts or seeing of something was. And a few of them <clears throat> took them a little time, especially the first time I was there, to find out, no, no, I, w- I want actually what you're thinking. I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. I want you, if, if I'm screwing up, if we're screwing up at the state office, I want to know it. I want to know it. And, and you're not going to upset me and I'm not going to hold it against you. And that's the big problem. A lot of people, when they get criticism, they have trouble not holding it against other people. And um, I think the ability to take criticism, uh, agree or disagree with it, but learn from it and go on down the road is a trait that's probably lacking in a lot of people. But just remember, a guy like General Grant, who led the North during the Civil War, probably, probably would have never gone up very high in the peacetime army. Well, actually, he didn't. He left the army. Was working as a private citizen. So that tells you something right there. Well, hey, beat this, beat this horse enough. Uh, I'll get to these acres sometimes. I know that's what a lot of you is more interested in, what you're thinking about the acres, what where it's going, what's happening. But um, just remember, being a little paranoid and then being a little jaded is not a bad place to be at times. Well, hey, with that, to the smartest audience in agriculture, thanks for listening.